listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You know what? I'm excited because if you don't know, we put it on the description of this broadcast, the title, if you will. Um, One of the reasons I'm so happy to have my friend, Pastor Brian Tomes, in the house is because, obviously, we're going to be talking about this subject. When do we become friends? That's awesome. A couple days ago. Remember that? You don't remember? We moved to another level, huh? Yeah, yeah. We were Step acquaint- two? We were acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're friends. Um, <laughs> but I love it because if you saw the, the title, we're going to be talking about five mistakes that keep churches small. Oh, yeah. And, um, of course, Brian, I believe, is one of America's great pastors. And, um, you know, I've traveled been able to see a lot of things from churches around America and other parts of the world. And um, we're going to give you five things today from the Word of God. This is especially good. Uh, By the way, I just was recognizing this as I was looking over what we're going to talk about, that this is not just something that will keep churches small, but I actually noticed this is something even businesses, if you have a business, if if you're in business personally, you're an entrepreneur, you've started things, I actually was just looking down the list at these and recognized that this is something that will actually affect even your business uh, if you're not in the ministry. And so this is something you definitely want to take notes, share it, get in on this today. You're not going to want to miss it. But specifically, because I got such a wonderful pastor here with me today, we're going to be talking to him. And I want him to teach a little bit too and, and talk about this because really, we're sitting in a miracle today. We're sitting in this. I mean, when you took this church over, it did, definitely did not have this building built. Definitely did not have this sanctuary. No, we didn't have the money. We just had faith. Right. I remember coming And here. a word. Yeah. I remember coming here at the, you know, early on when everything was still over, you know, in the, what's now the youth sanctuary, right? Or the kids sanctuary. It's yeah. the youth. Yeah. And that's where the main services were. Actually, we're going to turn that into a cafe because the youth are blowing up too. Wow. So that doesn't even fit the youth anymore. No, nope, that'll be a cafe and... Uh, you know, we're getting ready to launch all kinds of different stuff. We've got, you know, a, a Brazilian congregation, mm-hmm. not a congregation, but we've got Brazilian folks that are coming. Yep. God brought us a Brazilian pastor Praise and his God. wife. And so they've been doing a they're fantastic great. job. I love them. And actually, they've been a year since they're here. Yep. Matter of fact, we... we I remember last year when I met them. Remember? That's right. In the meeting well, you're, yeah, your dad actually, you know, kind of put the, the, the whole thing together in the supernatural. He, he's the one that recognized yep. it. And he says, this is your new Brazilian pastor. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So he installed them right there in the revival service last year. And they've been amazing. They've got a, a whole section that they have at the 11 o'clock service. Wow. Uh, you know, just on fire for the Lord. They do interpretations. And now we're getting ready to launch out. A, I saw uh, the headphones. Uh, we're going to do a Brazilian service, like a, like a miracle and healing service in Portuguese. That's awesome. So that, you know what I mean? Every, every month they got a place that they know that, you know, the, um, you know, they're going to be able to hear the message in their own language, not just through an interpretation. Right. But you know what I mean? They'll just be, it'll be a live service that, you know, that's in Portuguese. So you got so many things happening. I mean, like literally so many things happen in the church. So we're going to take our super Sunday message. It's going to go out and then, then we're going to establish a, uh, a Spanish service. I love it. Once a month, you know, 
It'll That's be awesome. a miracle service for, for the Spanish folks. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting ready to launch out the interpretation on Sunday mornings, you know, because you gotta, you gotta learn America, at, American, I mean English at some point right, right. when you're here. Yeah, but until you learn do, American. We'll help, we'll help you out. <laughs> but that's what I saw the other night because people had headphones on. Yeah. So they were getting the interpretation that's right. while the service was that's going. That's correct. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And it's amazing. And to see, like for those of you that don't know, to see the growth that's taken place at Crossroads in the time Pastor Brian has been the pastor here, and I think they tried to throw you out here thinking it was just going to be like a little missions work and, you know, you'd just come out. No, of they, they, didn't, they didn't throw me out here. God brought, brought us oh, here. Of course he did. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the people that were over thought like, whoop, no, whoop, they, they, they were trying to throw <laughs> yeah. us out there, right, right. put us in these little spots. No, but God knew where he wanted you. Yeah. I tell, I tell people all the time. I, I honestly do say this all the time. I say literally Pastor Brian is the perfect man for that church. He's the perfect pastor. Of course, God knows what he's doing. A perfect pastor for that church. I say, like, there's nobody that could pastor those people like Pastor Brian. If you've met Pastor Brian before, you know him. Um, he, he, there's nobody like him. And when you come, obviously, for those of you that don't understand how this works, a congregation is a reflection of the leadership, you know, in the church. And uh, you draw who you are. As goes the pastor, so goes the church. Right. You draw who you are. And uh, I believe with all my heart, that God puts you here, Fitchburg, this whole area, Lemonster, uh, Lunenburg, for the purpose of what's happening in this house. I mean, the people that have been saved through your ministry and the people that are now filling this church, yes. it's supernatural, bro. Like, it's supernatural. God positions you here. For those that don't know your testimony, just throw, throw a quick testimony out there. Like, well, how God saved you, put you in Bible school, brought you in the ministry? Uh, just to... I mean, it was a, it was a process. Yeah. Uh, grew up in a, my, my parents split when I was young. So my mother is on the West Coast. She remarried when I was young. My father remarried and lives on the East Coast. And I was just kind of back and forth. I was very angry at my parents. You know, they're building their new lives. You know, they got new, new, new wife, new husband. And that takes work, you know, so... I felt like we got caught in the shuffle, so I became angry, and, you know, that anger spilled over and into every area of my life, and to subdue the pain, you know, I got involved in drugs and alcohol, which all started by cigarettes, by the way, and uh, it just escalated. I became a drug dealer mm -hmm. to support the habit, and then at the same time, you know what I mean? It was very lucrative at the time. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> so, uh, kind of... You, bro you broke the Scarface rule. Never get high on your own supply. No, I didn't break that rule. Oh, you didn't? Okay, no, you good. need that rule. That yeah, rule's got to be, I got yeah. high on everybody else's supply. <laughs> most of the time, yours. yeah, no, most of the time they never knew that I was the dealer. They thought I was getting them something. I'm like, wait right here, I'll be right back. I just pulled that out of my pocket and brought it back, and then they, we don't want to talk about that. So no. anyways. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so, um, you know, became a drug dealer out west, and, uh, and did that for 12 years. Mm -hmm. But that was like 12 years that was like kind of pulled out of my life. I mean, I got involved with some heavy stuff. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was ready to commit suicide. We had just gotten raided, lost our apartment. And I was making my wife, my, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, you know, my girlfriend's life miserable. Uh, we were staying at my brother's house. We had to, get, we had to move soon and uh, had been out for about three days. 
and uh, just called upon the name of the Lord. See, when I was with my father for a short period of time out here, I went to uh, youth. They made me go to youth group. And this is why it's important that you have your kids go to, to youth group, even though, yeah. even if they don't want to go or right. even if they're not going for the right reasons, even if they are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because I was there, I still learned some things. Sure. You know? And... Uh, but I remember the scripture that if anybody would call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Yep. And so I remember lifting my hands. I said, Lord, if you're real and that's true, I need you to come in my life. And, and then from that moment, I hadn't talked to my dad for a couple of uh, uh, weeks. I was kind of at the rock bottom part of my life. I was going to commit suicide. And somehow uh, a strength came in into that room that night. I was going to slice my wrist in the bathroom and something supernatural took place. And this is why you should pray for your children because... My parents were praying for me. Amen. And I felt the power of those prayers in my weakest time of my life. So Amen. because they were in covenant, that protective power came in and God began to work for them yeah. because they were working for God. Amen. And so I uh, gave my heart to the Lord, went to Teen Challenge, uh, completed that program. I had never completed anything in my life up until that point, you know what I mean? Other than, you know, uh, finishing school, but I even finished like on the cheap way out, (laughs) you know, buy a shoestring. Right. So, uh, ended up doing that. Uh, got, um, went through teen challenge, did an internship at a church. God called me to Bible college, went to Zion Bible college, which is the same college that your father went to. All my family. And your uncle and and Jonathan and my grandfather. So, you know, matter of fact, I was in school with Jonathan. Yep. And, uh, and just seeking the Lord and just pressing in hard. Got filled with the Holy Ghost at Teen Challenge. Life has never been the same. And God's just, just done amazing things. I, he's taken me from the pit house, and now he's bringing me to the penthouse. Amen. And so I was going down, and now I'm going up. I was Amen. going backwards, now I'm going forwards. Yep. I felt like everything just, you know, there's always a monkey wrench in the, you know. I, mean, we're, I'm, I feel like I'm smart, like, you know, uh, able to do things, got great skill sets, and just there's always something that never kept me from really, really prospering. Right. Doing the wrong thing. And I know that was God's hand on my life saying, that's not for you. Yeah. And so um, I submitted myself to God and, you know, went, uh, com- you know, finished Bible college. I was doing an internship at a church that just didn't, you know, just praying. I just, I knew what God wanted me to do. I always thought I was going to be an evangelist mm-hmm. that would just travel around. But God broke my heart uh, in, uh, in a church boot camp planting class. I was just taking it for an easy three credits, mm-hmm. but I was in broken churches and my heart just seeing how the potential of the church just has been underutilized mm-hmm. and how great of a responsibility. And it just needs love, anointing, and, and really empowerment for the people because I was in a, in a church that was going down. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, you can't, you know, usurp the authority. And no, you know, you I wasn't there to, I was there to help, not to hurt. Well, that's the thing. And that, that needs to be said for those of you that are watching. I wanted to just take a second and talk about what he, what he just mentioned, because I've had so many people say to me, you know, cause we'll, we'll say it on the broadcast all the time, where you go to church is a matter of life and death. You need to be in a church that preaches the full gospel. That'll not just tell you that Jesus saves you, but that it'll heal you baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He'll bless you. He'll deliver True. you. All of that. You need it all. And uh, I'll ask people sometimes, I, why? They're like, well, Brother Ted, I'm in a dead church. You know, I know the church I'm in is dead. I said, why are you still there? Well, we believe God's keeping us there to make the changes. You know, I said, God doesn't do that. 
He doesn't make changes from the bottom up. He makes changes from the top down. God never uses rebellion when he right. doesn't ask, he doesn't ask you to usurp the authority of the church to change the church. And so I always tell people, if you're still there thinking that you're the one that's going to make the change in the church, that's not going to happen. Change happens when leadership changes. And so I always tell people, why would you, for example, they may know better, but what about their kids? Their kids don't know better. Maybe you grew up in a Pentecostal church. Now you're in a dead church. You say, well, I know the truth. Well, what about your kids? They're growing up. They need to know it. They need to have the experience of it. And so what he just said is so powerful that he was there, but you can't change the direction of the church as an intern. You can't change the direction of the church as a volunteer, as a staff member. God uses the leadership and everything flows and ebbs by the leaders that are there. So, you know, the pastor of the church that I was involved in, you know, he, he gave me a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in my internship, so I did an internship uh, where my parents were uh, attending church and, you know, Pastor Lou, you know, kind of helped get me involved in the, in the church and he did a great job. I remember my first lesson as, a, as an intern, he's like, I need you to paint this office. And I'm thinking to myself, how is painting an office? Ministry. Ministry. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm here to learn, not to paint. I know how to paint, you know? Right. And he says, no, no, God's going to speak to you here as you paint. Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, you know, as I'm rolling up and, and uh, just begin to just do what I was asked to do. But then, you know, we were doing the John Maxwell leadership training and stuff. Like, but I did an internship at that church. And then out of that, my parents had a place down in uh, Hull, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, is, and uh, they had a beautiful place down there. They would go there on the weekends. It's called Spinnaker Island. And mm -hmm. they, would, they would rest there from their businesses and just get away from all the, the busyness and just enjoy life. Sure. And rest and then go back and work hard, you know. And so... Um, they, um, I would visit them on the weekends and I'd pass this little church uh, called Lighthouse Assembly of God and, and the pastor there, you know what I mean? I could just, then there was millions of kids that just, you would just see on the streets. It was just like, you know, I mean, hundreds of, of teenagers and young people. And my heart broke and, you know, and my parents were friends with that pastor. And uh, I just felt called to go and to be a light he had no youth ministry, and so I just, you know, God just put a burden, which turned into a vision, you know, to help see that, and uh, so I ended up getting commissioned out of the church I was in, because listen, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. If you Absolutely. don't leave right, it doesn't start right. right. You can't leave one thing unfinished and think that you're going to start a brand new right. thing and finish, you know? Well, you can't start with a seed of rebellion yeah, and no. expect to have a harvest no. of blessing. And so, you know, plus I, I really loved where I was at. I didn't want to go, and, uh, you know, but I was, I was called to go, and it was affirmed. So you always got to get a confirmation on the call. And so it was, you know, confirmed, and I just shared with, you know, my pastor. He says, well, if God's speaking to you, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And so, you know, we got behind, and they, they sent me, and I went almost as a missionary into, the, into that community in mm -hmm. Nantasket Beach area. If you're from Massachusetts, it's the old Paragon Park. But there's a lot of kids down there. And uh, I just went, and I, I in, introduced myself to that pastor. My, my parents kind of knew him. They would kind of jump in there from time to time when they, you know what I mean, didn't feel like because they would travel 
to Boston, but, you know, sometimes, you know, if you get in late or whatever, you're not going to, you know, get out early. So I don't know. They were there. They didn't have duties at their church. But they were friends with them. They helped. You know, they're always helping people. So, anyways, I ended up becoming a youth minister there. And uh, the church was, you know, it was small. But I think he took it over, and there was, like, some troubled folks there. And, you know, really... Um, they kept trying to, you know, like attack the pastor. But my youth ministry started blowing up. And, I mean, it, it grew. I mean, I had 100 kids, mm-hmm. you know. I remember one time it was just me and like a large amount, of, you know, like 80 kids one night. And I remember like, wow, if they really like got together and got rough, they could just take this place over. so i had to sit them all down i just said i want to let you all something know something right now i'm not your typical youth pastor if you get in my face and start threatening me i I will kick your butt yeah i'll knock you out out. so let's just get and i will throw you out of here if you don't leave i'll make sure you leave yeah and you'll never come back and so the kids are very you know compliant and helpful and man it was just god did amazing thing there but the youth group had grown up and got bigger and bigger and, um, and uh, you know, then there was like kind of an insurrection there. And they're like, you know, we want you to come. I said, that ain't my thing. Mm-hmm. I said, and the Lord spoke to me because part yeah, of they your flesh. They wanted to take over as Not pastor. take over. They wanted to pull me on the side. And they, I think they were trying to groom me for that, you know, right. stroking the ego right. and all that other stuff. Sure. And, uh, and it was attractive, you know, yeah. being a young minister and, and not understanding really the things of God, because those, those are you, you learn those yeah. along the way. Yeah. And you constantly learn more about him because his ways aren't our ways. Right. And so I remember the Lord speaking to me and he says, that's not what I brought you here for. Mm-hmm. I brought you to help, not to hurt. I brought you to, you know, um, not take over, but take notes. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so. You know, I began to serve and, you know, and I knew that God was you know, moving up. But, you know, I left that place better than I came. Mm-hmm. We installed another youth minister. And ultimately that that church, you know, ended up kind of windling. This could never get those people under control. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, they closed it down. And then the city actually took the land by eminent domain because it was right next to a park. Mm. You know, so yep. it's not even there anymore pastor was a good man you know what I mean it was a good guy but you know people are you know. how did you come to be the pastor of this church so I ended up I was gonna actually take an evangel an evangel I was gonna be I was coming I was gonna go to Eagle Heights with uh, uh, Dr. James Collins Pastor Collins and just an amazing preacher he was in a service one day and I just I'm you know what I mean I was in you know smaller churches I needed to understand what a larger church would look like, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff not to do and to do, you know, but... Um, which I, we're going to cover in a minute. Which I felt like, you know, I needed a broader experience, right? If, you of know, course, yeah, you need to see what's going on. But my heart broke in that, in, 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 for that church, you know, I mean, you know, those people were, were good people. They just needed help. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of help that they need, it, you know, the pastor was just having a hard time. He had his bivocational, it was just a lot of pressure and he was just really trying to save and rescue the church. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? You know, you've got to be where, where God wants you to be. Right. Or otherwise it's not going to go well. Yeah, you've got problems at that point. So you're going to be, it's going to be problems. But, but I knew that, you know, the potential of the church and, and all that other stuff. So 
God spoke to my heart. I took an easy three point three three credit class at Zion called Church Planting Boot Camp, and it was my pastor. That I'm thinking easy A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Flying through. Fly it. through that yeah. one. Bring the jeeps up a little bit. You know what I mean? The GPA up, and so. Um, but God touched me in that class about church planting, and then I felt like you know, man, just traveling around, you know, leading people to the Lord. That's that's good. I do that anyways. But man, my heart just broke. And so I just felt like God spoke to me. He wanted me to go and to restore churches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or yeah. church, you know what I mean? And so when I came in to do that, God opened up. Uh, I shared that with the district. And, you know, they, they were sending me around to, you know, try to look at some other churches and stuff like that. But uh, my pastor was actually scheduled to speak at Fitchburg Assembly of God that, that, that one Sunday. And he told his wife, I really feel like I need, we need to be at our home church. And he says, you know, and she's like, call Brian. And so they called and says, hey, can you fill in for me on Sunday? And I was praying, God, you got to open up the door. Like, what are we doing here? Right. There's nothing. I'm looking at these things. I'm not sensing your presence at all. And so he asked me to come. And I just said, well, let me check my schedule. I'm like, yeah, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we just and I got in the, in the car on the, on the Sunday morning that we're pulling in here. There was a major rain, and the whole, like when you're coming down John Fitch Highway, the water from, came all the way from the dry cleaner movie theater all the way to Burger King. Oh, my goodness. All the way up over John Fitch Highway. That's how much, how flooded it was. Oh, my Lord. And so then all the business, it looked literally like a ghost town. Hmm. I mean, like, like just ransacked. And we, our heart just began to get, you know, like a burden for the city as we were driving in. Right. And the minute we pulled into the uh, parking lot here, we knew. You knew it we, was We real. seen the church, and we just knew. We were like, this is it. Wow. We knew that this was the place. And yeah. so we pulled up. The service started. You know what I mean? We, we went through. Uh, you know, they had hired a, a, a worship person to come in and play yep. piano. Yep. And they hired, like, uh, some other stuff like that. And then they're just pulpit feeling because the church had dwindled. This church was. So the church was very small. This church in this area was one of the largest churches. And what it was the say? largest. What All the other s- churches got started because of the split that happened in this church. What, what was the average attendance, you say, when you came to this church? And oh, to, oh, there was like 30, 35 people. 35 people. Yeah, that's and like with everybody. The breathing and, you know. What everybody I mean? breathing. That's it. The bats church and the, the bats. <laughs> in the attic, you know. And so you came in, and now this is what I want you to see. And Maria is saying he was our fire starter. Thank God he sent you. We almost lost all the people. So see, she, she, she commented right there. Maria is one of, you she know, was the, one of she's the an OG. That's right. So She was here uh, before I got here. And so at the beginning, he came, and the church, none of this was here. I mean, it had a sanctuary over on the other side. I've been here when it was just that. I remember it. And, uh, and you came over, about 35 people. But there were also some issues going on where you had uh, kind of like family feuds and kind of issues going on like that. Yeah, there was, there was some strong controlling people, you know, dominant people that were on the board. And, you know, we're going to get into, a, into that yeah, in, in, in just a little bit. But um, and and I remember because the time now when I came and preached, when we first pulled in the parking lot. Yeah. We we're, pul- we're pulpit filling, you know what right, I mean? Right. They're, they're looking for a pastor. Sure. They've got, they're getting, you know, people coming in to speak to them, and they're looking at people, yeah. and they've got resumes that they're going through, and Pastor Mempelink was filling that pulpit that day, and they're doing their due diligence. They're trying to get the right person. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and uh, I'll tell you, man, it was like a, like a Holy Ghost Molotov cocktail went off in there. <laughs> I mean, just a... It was 
it was amazing. Like the Lord just just blew everything up there. They were like all, you know, like, you know, when the anointing hits strong and people they are like, you know, all right. up on you after the service, you know, sure. you know, wanting to, you know, touch base and talk and get connected and all that stuff. So it was, I mean, it was like a frenzy. They're like, they're like, listen, listen, you need to be our pastor. We're like, whoa, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Would you fill out a radio? Like, whoa, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, you know, quick. they were feeling what we felt. Sure, of course. And so. Uh, they invited us to, to, you know, submit a resume or whatever. And so what's funny is I've never filled out a resume. I, I did fill out some paperwork for the board to, 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 to look for, but I didn't, my, I didn't have a resume. They had a stack of resumes like this big from the district of candidates. Wow. And so, you know, sometimes they'll try to appoint people, but God needs to appoint the right. man of God for the area. Absolutely. You know what I mean? God, I believe that God gives us areas, territories, regions. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so, you know, you as a watchman. That. So God called us here and God's prospered us here. So the rest is, you know, we had 35 people. We just began to, we didn't know anything. Right. Coming in here. Right. We just knew what God wanted to do. We didn't know how God was going to do it. And then just, and how many years have you been the full-time pastor here? I think we're in our 15th year. 15th year. 14 in complete 15 new years, season. Of course. It's a new season. Come on. Another cycle. We're sitting here, brand new, beautiful sanctuary. Everything's built out. The church is built out. It's gorgeous. The increase is clear. I mean, you've seen it. Um, I mean, pre- We've had this, our, this is our best year yet. Oh, yeah, without question. So before, let's say, for example, before COVID uh, hit, going back to Christmas or- uh, what? Even, what hit? I don't even know. Before, you don't even know. Before COVID hit, Christmas, whatever, you were, you were hitting numbers that you've never even hit before. I mean, it was like- yeah. Constant increase. Now, 2017, we had a surge. I mean, like a surge. And we're going to cover some of that, you know, and, and you but know. But you went from 35 people to now before, before people were. Yeah, we're pushing, we're pushing. We were right at the 750, 800 average attendance Sunday right, morning. Right, right. Not, not events, average attendance. Right. And so you think about that. Now, Ferguson, let, let me break a couple things down because we're getting ready to jump into this and you guys need to hear this. Let me break a couple things down. Started with 35, ran it down to about 14. Well, what did you, what did you get it down to? It, about, about, about 25. About 25. Yeah, 10. So got, yeah. Got, got the troublemakers out of there. So, no, God, no, no, I was trying to make this point. God did a work. It took six months from the time that I first preached here. Yeah. There was like, a, like an inner, but God told me, be peace. And, right. I mean, be still and know that I'm God. Okay. And so uh, we kept, they having us come back for another look. And the board was fighting. We were young. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And this, this guy's young, you know what I mean? And, right. And, you know, he's green. You know, yeah. we need somebody experienced. See, that's what they think. That's they, always what they it, think. You need somebody experienced to do something right. big. No, that's not true. You just need somebody anointed. David wasn't even a soldier in the army my when God. he killed Goliath. Come on, all my young people say, yo. <laughs> They're all the way in the back. Um, so, so here's the deal. I want you to think about this. Took it over. 35 people, went down about 25, and now hitting that place, 750, 800 average. Every let year. Me, let me break that down, though. In America, now you might be watching from another nation, listening from another nation. In the United States of America, the average Sunday morning attendance of a church is between 65 and 75 people in this nation, down from 85 a few years ago. So when you look at it in that way, this church would be in like the top 2% of churches in the nation for attendance. I mean, we, we stop and think about that for a minute. Because when you think, I mean, people see churches on TV, you know, you see these, you know, 
the churches like Lakewood Church and, and all these other, that's, that's in the top 1% of churches in the nation. When you see a church that's having an average of 750 to 800 people in New England, no less, where people say, you know, preachers come to die is like the graveyard of revival. No, my friend, in New England, where what my, my dad did the research on this, when, when Barna listed the top 10 post-Christian cit, uh, cities in America, eight of the 10 were in New England what they call post-Christian, where people don't want to go to church anymore. In New England. Vermont, Maine. Well, no, the cities. It was the cities. It was like Boston. It was like all these. So you think about the fact, in a place where people say it can't be done, you can't have a Holy Ghost church in New England. You you better go the seeker-sensitive route. You can't have. You better do the sixty minutes. No, that service. that happens in every place. Of course it does. That's that's the that's people try to convince you of that. But here, in the middle of what people say is the hardest place, thriving by the power of the Holy Ghost, the church is exploding. Church is growing, and so I said to Pastor Brian, I said, "Let's talk today. I give give these these areas where, if you want to see explosive growth, if you want to see God use you, what are some of the things?" And of course. He's, he's seen these over the years, but we're going to quickly give you five. You too. I mean, just yeah. be, we, just us talking because he's in all the churches, mm-hmm. right? So he travels around speaking. At, and there's some churches that sure, you I, probably won't go to. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't ever say no. Here's, here's, people call our ministry up. This is oh, funny. that one. And this is what they'll say. They'll go, would, would Brother Ted come to our church? Like, they think I won't come. Like, they'll talk to Jenna. Yeah, like, just like I did right yeah. there. They'll be like, uh, you know, or they'll say like, how much does he charge to come? We don't charge any money to come. They'll say like, would he actually come to our church? Of course. If the Lord tells me to come, I'm coming. I don't care if you got five people or 5,000 people. If the Lord tells me to come, I'm coming. That's it. And so there's people that think that, well, he, he wouldn't come. But I've, I've been to churches, like you just said, I've been to churches of every size. So I've been to the churches that have thousands of people in them. I've been to the churches that have a couple dozen people in them. And we've seen... Call David Oyodepo on Thursday. Invite him to come. Yeah, exactly. And so I want you to see this now. We want to show you. Because people think, well, maybe it's just God's sovereign nature that makes a church big. It's not. It's not God's sovereign nature that makes a church big. That would be like saying it's God's sovereign nature that makes a person obese. It's not. It's the actions you take. It's what you're doing. It's what you're, it's the, it's the disciplines. It's the habits of that ministry. Or even those of you who watch, you might be a business person of your business. And so I asked Pastor Brian to just kind of expand and I'll, I'll, I'll jump in as well, but expand on some of these things that he's seen. And we're going to, with the time we do have, we're going to go over five for sure of things that keep churches small. And, and the first one that we, I do want to talk about, because I do have some things to say about that is is staffing staff the team that's around you you've got a great team around you you've got people that are helping you you've got people that are sharp that are you know literally doing what they're called to do one of the things i see happen people throw people into positions they're not really called to be in they have no skill sets for that position right they've got nothing to they have no wherewithal to actually do what needs to be done in that position so there's just frustration there People are like, hey, how come you didn't get that done? They don't even know what they're doing. They're tr- they just got thrown in there because a gap was there and they needed somebody to fill it. Not that the Holy Ghost can't teach you. But one of the things, and I'll let you jump in on this, one of the things we made our minds up about in our ministry, I will never hire somebody that does not 
have a few things, and I'll tell you what they are. Number one, I only hire people that are high-caliber people, meaning people that are go-getters, right. people that are self-motivators, people that will actually look for issues to solve instead of being told issues that need to be solved. And I'm looking for Self-motivated. That. Self-motivated people. High-caliber people. Let me just say this. You could do, like even with a church of 800, you can do more with 10 self-motivated, high-caliber people than you can do with a staff of 30 that have to be told every single thing that you need them to get done. Yeah, it, I agree with that. I mean, I don't, I'm not looking to light a fire under somebody. Yeah, because now you're doing the work. Yeah, I'm not looking to, you know, if I have to keep pushing them and prodding them to do something, uh, that's not fun for them. It's not fun for us. Well, so. it takes your time out of your schedule. Now yeah. you're doing the work for them. Yeah. No. So what have you seen about teams and staffing that you know has really made? For, for a lot of times the churches make mistakes. They get the wrong people, like you said. Yeah, they do. And so one of the, you know, you've got things that you know that you are looking for. And, you know, you're looking for somebody highly motivated. You're looking for somebody like a go-getter, mm-hmm. self-starter. Those, we look for those things too. But one of the main, one of the big things, the first thing that I look at is I look for happy people. Yes. Talk happy about that. Happy people are way more productive than unhappy people. You better people. believe it. If you ain't laughing or smiling, if I don't see your teeth. Yeah. Well, why is that? It's a scriptural principle. Because people that don't operate in joy are not going to operate right. in strength. And so, you know, happiness is a byproduct of joy. Yeah. So it's an evidence. So I'm looking for somebody that, that is happy. Yep. It, if you're not smiling, if you're not laughing, if you're not, you know, I, I love coming here because I hear when I get in here, they're like laughing in the hallways. Yeah. You know, you, you might not call that productivity, but it's productive. Well, you can see your team's productive. They're encouraging one another. So, you know, um, that's that that strength that's in the staff. The joy drives that. Sure. You'll have a weak, unproductive uh, group of people if they're always led by their emotions, upset, depressed. If they're you know what I mean? It steals your productivity from you. Oh, I, uh, you know, and sometimes people have like, uh, like a, we, we call it rested cranky face. <laughs> you edited like, a bit. It, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, really, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll get like in a zone of, yeah. you know, they look angry at you. What? You know, yeah, you know, exactly. No, but we just, we, we call them right out. And so we got to, sometimes we give a little grace on that. Right. But, like, if you, we don't do that. You can't live like that. Yeah, you can't because you <laughs> offend people. Sure. You can offend somebody with a look. Of course you can. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and part of seeing people laugh and get along because there's great power where there's great unity. Unity, that's right. You know what I'm saying? So teams that, 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 that like to be together, they work together better. Of course they do, yeah. And so, you well, know. Well, that's why if you look at something even like the Marines, you know, the Navy SEALs, why do you think they put them so, through so many team-building drills? Why do you think they've got them carrying rafts and boats over their head and running together, and if one person fails, we're all doing it again? Because you learn to depend on your, on your team, your brotherhood, so that, like, listen, if he's failing, I'm failing. If, if, if they don't make it, I don't make it. And they actually do so many team-building drills mm-hmm. because they're drilling it into your mind. Where, this is not individuals. This is one unit. That's doing the work together. Right. And if there's, if there's a straggler, I remember being in, 
I was on a state championship basketball team. I remember that when our coach made us run, if we, if we had to run and do laps or whatever we had to do, uh, literally, he gave us a time. It wasn't just do 50 laps. It was like, do 50 laps in this time or you're all doing it again. So we take off running. We had this dude on our team that was a straggler, man. He was just lazy. And I can remember, like, it was like, listen, we're getting this time. And, and we're not, we're not. I got behind that dude and with another dude. Well, we were coming to the, our deadline on the time. We got by and put our hands on his back and ran and pushed that kid. I was like, we are not running this again. We are, we're running it once. You're dragging you're, him. You're going to make the time because I ain't running these 50 laps again. And we're pushing him. See, that's what a good team does. You know, people don't realize that, you know, that every – I've been teaching our team this. You've you got to get somebody to do what you do mm-hmm. if you're ever going to do something else. Replicate yourself. You got to rep, not just not replicate yourself, but you need to empower somebody. Of course you do. You know, but it, it, it duplicate, same, you know, replicate. Um, but you want somebody that can put some pressure b- behind you. Yeah, of course you do. A good number two puts a lot of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want to make sure that our team understands that, that that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. But, you know, when I, when I say that we were looking for happy people because they are way more productive than unhappy people. Yeah. And it's a sign of unity. That's exactly right. And that's not a natural thing. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, which means that you're allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit. You know, it's not natural for someone to be happy all the time. That's not a natural thing. It's not, it's not natural for somebody to be joyful 100% of the time because your flesh is not. When you see someone who is like that, it means they're being led by the Spirit. They're allowing their spirit to lead them, not their flesh to lead them. That's why it's such a great person to have on your team because what you actually realize you've got now is spirit-led people, not flesh-led people, not soul-led people, spirit-led people. And so it's very key that we have that because if you don't have, one of the things that'll destroy teams quickly is you'll have disunity. You'll have issues where uh, you may have somebody that's just, you know, a, a lot of emotions leading them. You know, my people depressed. My, and what happens is, is that they come in. If you've got an emotional roller coaster on your team, that has to, people have to wait for 45 minutes to see if they, what, what mood they're in that day, walking on eggshells. You're going to have issues in productivity. And staffing is so huge. When you have, can I tell you one of the biggest things? That's good. Church needs fewer superstars and more mothers and fathers building others up. Listen to this. There's churches that make mistakes like this. I'm going to call it out. I've seen churches of like 90 people, 150 people, employing, you've seen this, employing a full-time youth pastor. Let me tell you something. I'm not even a pastor, and I can tell you that's a really stupid thing to do. What are you doing paying a, a youth pastor 40 hours a week with benefits if you've got 150 people in your church and all his responsibilities are to youth pastor, it don't take 40 hours a week to youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for eight years, nine years. That's your sister-in-law's brother. Huh? That's the sister-in-law's brother. Yeah. The sister's was. brother-in-law. I don't know. So it's a family member that nepotism. they're trying to... Nepotism. It's nepotism. No. But seriously, it's like it don't take 40 hours Funding a week. Funding the family. Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> might, as well, might as well call it that. But you, here's what happens. Family feud. Well, let me, let me tell you why churches fail in this staffing area is they put people in positions that do one thing. And st- let me, let me tell you something. When I was on staff 
with my uncle who pastored the church. Let me tell you what I did. I did. I was the youth pastor. I worked more than 40 hours a week. I probably worked 60 hours a week, but I I was the youth pastor. I was also the music director. I was also the choir director. I was also the television editor. I was also the graphic designer. I was also the web designer. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was also the young adults pastor. So like, yes, I worked 60 hours a week, but I worked. It's like, I wasn't in like checking scores on ESPN.com because I'm the youth pastor and there's nothing to do until Wednesday night when I got youth service. It's like churches make the mistake of wasting funds and wasting resources so they can say, we've got a youth pastor on staff. Why? Why do you have a youth pastor on staff if that's the only thing he's doing? I mean, literally, you're wasting resources. If he's not multitasking, if there are not other things to get done, what are you doing? It doesn't take 40 hours a week to youth pastor. I can tell you from experience. You can tell from experience. You're, you were a youth pastor. I've learned by experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, dude, you got churches that just waste money. And that's why I said high caliber people. You want to hire people that can do more than one thing. You know, don't hire somebody. You don't need a specialist at your church unless you're like a massive church that needs specialists. If you're a church that's under 300 people, you know, you don't need a 40 hour youth pastor on staff. You probably don't even need a 40-hour music director on staff. People need to be do more than one thing. Because the thing is this. Don't tell me, well, I don't know how to do that. That's not my gifting. Learn it. You don't need a full-time youth pastor until you're over 1,000. Yeah, you're, 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 a, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he teaches you all things. I don't ever want to hear a spirit-filled person say, well, I don't know how to do that. I can't learn. Learn it. Learn it. YouTube is your best friend. Watch tutorials until you know how to do it. You're anointed. Your mind's anointed. You have the Holy Ghost, the teacher, the paraclete, the one who comes along to help. And you've got people, and what happens is, well, we're, we're maxed out on budget because we got stat, you know, we got salaries. Why do you have salaries as a 180 member church? You got six people on staff. What are you paying them to do? Like, I'm a, this is a sore spot, as you can tell with me. It's like, what, <laughs> what are you paying them to do? What are they doing? Is this a recent tragedy experience? You, you come into the church and the youth pastor's got sleep marks on his face. He's in there watching, you know, checking his fantasy football team for three hours and setting his lineup for the next week. I know what you're doing up there. That was the Baptist pastor. Mr. Cox, in the sound booth, you're not going to start your own kingdom. Yeah. In the media booth. But, but in, in all seriousness, it's we like... We know what you do up here on yeah. Wednesday nights. You, you and uh, Mrs. Alfredo. It ain't going to be a youth hangout. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, you know what I'm saying by that? It's like, what are, they, what, what are people doing? Yeah. It's like, what are people doing? You're, well, we got six people full-time. What are they doing? You know, how about hire one good person and, and raise up good volunteers? It, it, it is probably the number one biggest mistake pastors do that keeps their church small is they hire the wrong people. Yeah. And they put them in the wrong areas. Say that. And they fund dysfunction instead of funding the kingdom. You know, um, so having a youth pastor before you have a great praise and worship leader is a big mistake. Massive mistake. Big mistake. You know what I mean? And so you've if, got a major in the majors. And we'll, well, I know we'll talk about it, but like, and I, I got to say it because people, they do go about it the wrong way. Like all you got to do is look at the statistics, you know, use wisdom. If <laughs> you can tell the two, the thing that, you know, if, if a, as a preacher, this kind of like makes me like, dang, they never even heard me preach. The two things people look for in a new church when they're trying to find a church, do they have good worship? Do they have good kids ministry? Do they have good worship? Do they have good kids ministry? 
People make a decision in the first seven minutes. Some say it's less than that. Some say it's like in the first three minutes. They make a decision on whether or not they're going to come back to your church. First three yeah. minutes. They don't even hear you preach. They don't even, I mean, they're, they're talking about what they experienced in the parking lot, experienced in the lobby. What were the greeters' faces like? Do they have RCF, resting cranky face? They come in, did anybody even talk to them? I had a guy come to me, he said, I went to a new church. He said, I attended for, as a first-time visitor. No one spoke to me, not one person. He's like, it was like I wasn't even there, I was invisible. He's like, they don't even care if I'm there or not. Why would I ever go back? Dysfunctional. And so, you see what I mean? And you got this, people are making a decision. You know, pastor's like, well, they'll stay because my, I'm a preacher. They don't even, you can be, a, and this is just statistics, I'm telling you. You can be a horrible preacher, according to the statistics. And if your church has great worship and great kids ministry, people will come back. Yeah. They'll come back. It makes, it helps when you have a great preacher in the pulpit like Pastor Brian. But even if you don't, if you'll just do these things well, and they get people, you know, we need a Christian counselor on staff. Like, For what? Oh, we need a oh. youth pastor on staff. For what? Yeah, well. You don't even, there's churches got like seven youth in the, in the church. I'm all about Christian counselors, you know what I mean? No, but I'm saying like, you don't need it as a church at no, 180. Just, the people with the problems, they just need to pay the counselor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, like you got a church of 180 people and you got seven youth in the church and you're employing a 40 hour youth pastor. Not happening. What in the world yeah. are people thinking? So well, we just don't have any money in our church. Well, quit paying the guy to set his fantasy football lineup every week. It's like <laughs> blowing my mind. So... The first biggest mistake Staff. that pastors make is they, they, they get the wrong people on that's the right. team. And they don't have structure. That's number two. No, no. No so, structure. No. And, but there's barriers along the way. So the, the staffing needs change as the barriers change. Mm-hmm. So there, I think the first barrier is around 200 people. I had to change the way that we operated around that, that area. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it was more like about 100 7,500, remember just trying to break 100. And then you do big days to help break those, those things because people come in there. But if your staff isn't ready mm-hmm. for the, the, the growth, right. then, then it's not going to continue to grow. Right. And so you could always go right back to where you were, but mm-hmm. your staff is a very Im- important piece to church growth. No question. Having the right, we call them aces in their places. We want aces. In yeah, their places, there's people are gifted at certain things. We want them doing that. You know, I know some. Now you're multi-talented, so you could do all kinds. Of, you could preach. You sure. could do music. You could do video. You could. Edit. I've never seen anybody as talented as you are. So that's what you were able to do, but not everybody could do that. Sure. So you know, they would hear pastors make this big mistake. You know, they they hire their wives as their administrator. And to oversee certain areas of the ministry, but she can't type. Right. She can't even administrate. <laughs> you know I, mean? I need you to send a letter out, but she can't type. Right. She can't nine, even spell. You know what I mean? Nine typos. Nine typos. You know what I mean? <laughs> so next thing you know, they're ending in divorce. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> we really were happy you came to church. Yeah. Church. <laughs> Okay, you know, or or Where's she are, or you'll make her like the bookkeeper, and right. she doesn't know how to manage she, the home checkbook, she, and now you're making her charge. You know, if so, your wife can't count, don't let her be the head of the ministry. Yeah, that is like the number one rule for anybody that's going to be in the in in the banking or the church. You have to know how to add without your shoes and socks off. <laughs> you have to be able to do it with your shoes and socks on. But it's true, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But you you, I love that point you brought out. You're trying to break a hundred, you know, you were, you start doing events. People can invite people to get them into the building. 
And you, but you had number two, we're talking about this. Number one was staffing. Number two is structure. You had structure in place. You know, you put in, uh, and I, I want to cover two and three together, actually. Structure and systems. You had structure and systems together where you've got your departments, you've got those set up in the way that they should function, but you also have a preset system. If somebody gets saved, there's something that's going to happen with that person. Yeah. Um, so when you get your staff, now some people, just before we move on staff, this is important, that maybe a young pastor, a new pastor. Mm-hmm. Now there's some people that are called to help you initially in the beginning. I call them scaffolding. Yeah, sure. Now they put scaffolding up when they build right. the, the foundations and the, so they do the bricks. Mm-hmm. So once that bricks all set up they and the structures, the, once the structure's set, the, you know what I mean? The scaffolding, you know what yeah. I mean? You got to know what's the scaffolding right. and what's the structure. Exactly. You know, God will bring you a pillar, but you can't use scaffolding as a pillar in a church. Exactly right. You know why? Because the building ain't going to be able to stand. That's exactly right. So sometimes God will have people that will help you in the beginning, but they're not called to be with you in the end. Right. That's and true. People, people think that everybody's called to stick with them and stay with them. It's, it's true. I've heard, I've heard other preachers say that, and it's very true. He'll, he'll have people there to help you in that season. Right, right. And so um, one of the things that I've learned over the, the 15 years of ministry that I've been full-time pastor, senior pa- lead pastor here, just the, the pastor here, mm-hmm. uh, is that... Um, you have to uh, be able to recognize who is called to be on the team, mm-hmm. where they're called to be on the team, and why they're on the team. Yep. And so those are important things. And somebody's, and not everybody's called to stay. Right. Sure. So you, you've got to give ample room for, for, for people. So there's one of the things that I had to learn on early on is there always needs to be a champion for whatever area of ministry it needs to be. I call them directors. They take direction and give direction. Right. They take it and they give it. In order to be a director, you have to be able to receive direction. Right. And then you can give direction. And then that allows you to champion that cause in the vision. Yeah, but every director needs an associate director that could do what they do mm-hmm. in case they can't do it. Right, sure. What you're doing is you're, you're putting people in place so that there's never a dropped ball. So there's never an issue where you're failing. You know, there's people that, well, we have one guy that does this. Well, you're in trouble. Oh, no. If there's only one guy that knows how to turn the soundboard on and actually make it work, your church is in trouble. Because what if that dude goes out of town or can't make it to church? Like, no one knows how to have sound on a Sunday morning. Now you've got no... It, and you think you, people laugh. That happens. That happens at churches. Well, how do you get the soundboard on? How do you get... I don't know. Only Larry knows how to do that. And he's not in town right now. We can't get a hold of him. He's up in the mountains. Yeah, he's like, spiking us. He won't call us back because he knows that he needed him. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Don't ever have one person in your ministry that is able to do one thing and no one else can do it. That's not how it functions. You need to have people, like he said, or else if the ball's dropped, you're dropped for good. You know, what are you going to do? Come into church and nobody knows how to work the soundboard so you got no sound on a Sunday morning? It's like... That's happening. So, in so listen, I've uh, in the past, I've had worship leader, mm-hmm. you know, that actually was on the team and now has, has her own church down the road. And, you know, and really, I, I'm not I'm going to comment on that. This is why it's very important that you pick the right people. Yep. You want the people that God would have. But one of the things that really helped me with with the pressure in that whole initial thing, mm-hmm. because that was always. In, 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 the, in her heart from the, from the very beginning. But I always had another worship leader right. behind that so that way they can't control you. Exactly right. And so, you know, if, if 
Now, people watch that. Oh, Christian people wouldn't do that. Oh, they would. Oh, they would. <laughs> they would. And so, they do. And that's why it's important that you have somebody that could do what they do that keeps them from getting froggy with you. You better believe it. You know, oh, okay, you're going to give me a hard time. Well, that's no problem. We'll just let, we'll just let her do it. Yeah, take a seat. <laughs> that's it. Take a seat. We'll have some And so every, every leader needs to develop other people. Bel- I put them on there. Right, sure. I said, you know, this person's really good at, at worship. She's going to be your new associate director. I call, sure. I determined who was going to be the sure. directors and associate directors. Yeah. And, 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 and that's literally leadership sets up leadership. That's how, that's how it should be. So you've got a structure going on. And you've got that, you've got those people in place so that people know, now here's the problem. Churches want, they, they hear that word at church growth conferences all the time, systems, systems, systems. Problem is if you've got no structure, a system can't function because you can have a system that somebody tells you how to do something, but if nobody knows their role in the system, it's not going to get completed. Well, I thought you were doing that. I thought you were making the callbacks on new believers. I thought you were printing the letters. I thought you and and nobody knows their position in the system. System doesn't get done. You've got one, but it never gets completed. So the structure, as he's talking about, championing the causes of the different areas of ministry that have to be completed, it's got to be there. And if roles aren't clearly defined, here's what I've learned. If roles, let me tell you one of the biggest things that you changed us with this. You, you gave me a tip and I used it and I still use it to this day and I've developed it on it. We were sitting in a Starbucks one day. He said, let me tell you one thing that's really changed our, our teams. I said, tell me, give me the tip, man. I'm ready. He said, use Trello. So we popped the Trello app in. We got everything on Trello, Trello boards. Then we went on a step further than that. I think you guys may use this too. We jumped on Slack with everybody. So we're on the Slack teams. So we have Slack channels. And if you don't know what that is, just Google it. It's, it's apps, productivity apps for communications so that literally there's never a he said, she said. You can work on projects together. Yeah, you can work on projects together, but there's never a, uh, well, I, I don't remember you telling me that. I, you said that, Pastor. I don't, I don't remember you telling me to do that. Here's the timestamp. Here's when I sent it to you in the Slack message. Here's when it got said. Here's your reply. Here's what everybody else said. Here's when it happened. If it doesn't get written, it gets forgotten. That's exactly right. You know? It's exactly right. You know? And so that's what we started doing is making these. So here's what happens. When you do that and you're assigning, everybody knows their role. You had this task. This is your deadline. This is what you're supposed to do. Here's your role at your responsibility. It's out of my hands. It's into yours. Here's the proof that we gave it to you. And then everybody's held accountable because the systems don't matter if you've got no structure. But when you have the structures like you've built, then the systems start to function and they start to work because now new believers are getting a call back. Now new believers are getting their letter. Now people are getting their email. Now people are being uh, signed up for water baptism. Now you got people that are going into next steps class. Now you got, you know, all the things are working because you got structure that's making the systems function. In... It is, you know, having aces in their place. So one of the things I, I, we look for in staff that, that's part of our structure, I'm, we're looking for uh, the ministry in people. We're mm-hmm. not looking to put people, on people in ministry. Right, that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So whatever, you know, they're skilled at, we're going to get them identifying their, yeah. call their heart. But it's taken me a long time to set a structure like that mm-hmm. and to get people. And, and so the way that our, and I've had to, Every growth barrier. <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany Farley, preach that. Yeah, she preach, knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, because yeah. She, she's on our team. She's like systems queen on our team. Yeah. I mean, she, she's where it's, you know, she, she really hammered that for me. She said, listen, you know, why don't we have a system in she place for that? She is the systems queen. Yeah. <laughs> she, and and I, I love it because, uh, you know, we, 
we have a great team. I, I'm so blessed to have Jenna, blessed to have Tiffany. Carolyn's killing it. Matt's killing it. Dave helps us. I mean, so now that we have these things set to where we are, you know the load it's taken off me? Yeah, you can do what you got to do. As the leader. You got to do what you're called to do. Right. And, and to have the system set in place, the things that are just flowing, it's, it's a massive blessing. Massive blessing. But like until, like I said, until we set these structure in place, the systems don't even function. But then the systems are smooth when you've got roles assigned and the structure's there. It's, it's, like a, it's a massive blessing, man. Yeah. I mean, you know how it feels. It feels good to have things work in the way they should work. Um, I've noticed about the, the structure. So with staff, you know, like a staff member might be good at a certain size in a certain area. But then as that area grows, because everything rises and falls on leadership, people mm-hmm. have a leadership lid and leader ha- people have a leadership capacity. And so we, we always look at bandwidth. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. And so some people might have a high capacity, but a small bandwidth. So they're, they're very competent and they're very uh, good or skilled at what they do, but they just don't have the margin to really take on anything more. Right. So you can't keep loading them down. And so at every structure, so they might have been good at the 250 structure, Mm -hmm. but you can't keep a 250 structure and shove a thousand people into it. Right. It doesn't have a big enough bandwidth. Right. And so you've got to make sure that, you know, as you grow, someone that has lower, and a lot of times people make this mistake, is they've they've, they've got somebody with great skill set and people, pastors, Sometimes you get in love with potential mm. and not recognize the pattern. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the possibility, you know, of the current possibility of, of, <laughs> of, of, of a person yeah. in, and what they can and what they can't do. So you have you, to be realistic at the same time. You have time. to be realistic. And it's, so, like I could, it's like saying to myself, I've used this reference many times because it's, it's funny, but it's true. You know, I, could, I have the potential of becoming big in the, way, in the gym. But, like, I can't go there right now and put 300 on the bench press and try to bench it. Huh. I could get there. I've got potential. But I'm not there right now. If I do that, it's just going to hurt me. You'll tear it's, something. It's going to injure and me. And you won't be able to lift anything. That's exactly right. And that's what happens to, to volunteers. That's what happens to staff members. You throw a bunch on them thinking, man, they've got potential. They can handle this. And then what ends up happening is it actually <clears throat> hurts them and frustrates them and even causes them to be discouraged yeah. because they couldn't do it. It's true. So real, real quick, let's just recap. Yeah. The first mistake, and you can put this in the notes and you can put this in the comments. Put it, yeah, put it in the comments. You know, mistake number one for that'll keep your church small mm-hmm. is you have the wrong staff. Exactly. You are staffed incorrectly. You might have the right people. Or overstaffed. <laughs> you just might have them in the wrong spot. That's true. You know what I mean? So staffing is very important to church growth. Yep. Um, and you're going to have to make those changes and learn how to identify have them to. at each step. You know? You, know, you know, my grandfather, who worked with the Assemblies of God for 60-some years, they would take him from church to church to church as a, almost like a troubleshooting pastor. He'd go into troubled churches and right. make them work. Yeah. When he took over one of the churches, they had all these Christian counselors on staff, all these people, everybody had a church credit card, unchecked spending. Church was in $1.8 million of debt, literally no way out. First thing he did, came in, he fired everybody. He was like, we don't need all of you paying all this money. Yeah. Don't come back yeah, Monday. Yeah, if you keep doing the same thing, you'll get what you always got. He went to every business in town and said, I know we're in debt to you. I don't know what the previous pastor was doing. You're going to get every dollar that we owe you. 
literally paid every business bet, paid the church off, all the stuff. But all, all it took was a little structure. It took some discipline, structure, systems. Get it in place yep. and work it. And, and it'll work for you. So, you know, having that framework, so putting the right team together, yep. getting the right staff, and then you got to make sure that you have the right structure. That's right. The reason a lot of churches stay small is because of their government. That's exactly right. You know, you got to remember this. God calls men. Mm-hmm. Not boards. And women to lead. That's right. You know what I mean? God does everything through a leader. He, he doesn't call a committee nope. to lead a church. And no, so there's not. not a plurality of leadership. No, there's not. You know what I'm saying? You know, I went to a guy wanted me to come and uh, I was talking on the phone to the, to the head pastor of the church. And uh, I kept asking him questions. All right, when we come, uh, is this all right? We'll be doing this. You know what he kept saying to me? Well, you know, Brother Ted, I don't actually have the authority to make that decision. Uh, I'm going to have to run that by, every, you know, the board. I'm after, I don't have the authority. I said, if you don't have the authority to make any decisions, you, you're not the leader. You're not the leader. If you don't have authority to make decisions, you're not the leader. What do you think when God was telling Jesus to do something? He's like, well, Lord, you know, I need to run it by the disciples. You know, I, I really feel they need to hear this. No, if you don't have the authority, you're not the leader. If you can't make decisions, you're not the leader. Well, see, that's the problem and the reason a lot of churches stay small. You better believe it. God wants to grow them. The pastor can't make the decisions that need to be nope. made. They keep pulling his reins back. He hears from the Lord. He yep. might be the man of God that's called to do that. But you know what I mean? He's hindered or bottlenecked because of policy and structure. If you've got people around you, the only role they should function in is counselors. And the reason a lot of churches have division and a lot of the reason the church is split is because of their government. That's exactly right. You know, they, 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 the people get it wrong. You know, they think that the board is there to protect the people from the pastor. Yeah, that's not true. Did you hear what I'm saying? People think that the board is there to keep... Protect the people from the pastor. To protect the people from the pastor. No, the board is there to protect the pastor from the people. <laughs> The pastor is a gift to the body. Exactly right. According to the scriptures, okay? Yes, it, is. it is a gift. It's an official office of the Lord. That's right. God establishes and he gave some. That's right. To be pastors and you know and, and all the ministry of evangelists and apostles. He called those right. things into being. It's the fivefold ministry. And the thing is, uh, for anybody that's watching me like I don't believe, I don't agree with that. We're not saying that a pastor should have no accountability no, to anybody. No. That's what the board is for. Yeah, well, not only that, I would never be accountable to lay people, ever. I'm not accountable to lay people as a ministry gift. I'm accountable to, to, other, lay, to other ministers. And the Lord. And the Lord. So if I'm going to have somebody correct me, it ain't going to be a person out of the pew in my no. church. Correction comes from the top. Correction down. has to be somebody above you. That's where you have spiritual fatherhood. That's where you're, you have ministers. He has ministers around him that he Bishop. trusts. Bishop. Bishop, my father, others. They can call you. Pastor Manzo. Listen, listen. Don't, you're off in this area. You know, if Bishop Thomas or my dad or somebody called you up on the phone and said, I heard you preaching this in your church, you're off in that area. You need to stop preaching that. You'd receive that correction. You'd say, okay, well, what, what do I need to do? Here, here, here's, here's where people miss it. So I have a spiritual father. Sure. That's your father. It, what's pretty awesome is my spiritual, my supernatural father was born on the same day my natural father was born on. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, 
I get supernatural direction from my supernatural father. And you'd receive correction? I would receive, receive correction. He's, you know, uh, he's given me prophetic direction. Of course he has. He's, yeah. you know, provided instruction. He calls and checks on, on what we're doing here. Right. But I also have, because I'm a pastor, right. I am pastored. Of course you so are. So Pastor Manzo is a pastor. Sure. You know what I mean? He's pastored a church for 40 years. You know, in you know, so I. I but you're get, not going to take correction from somebody sitting in the pew. It's out of order. They don't know what I'm going through. Exactly. They it's, don't know. Where number I'm going one, it's to. out of order and it's out of line for somebody that's not even a minister to correct leadership. God doesn't do that. God doesn't work like that. You don't have people that are not even in the ministry coming up and correcting your messages, coming up and correcting you personally. It doesn't work that way, and that. That's pride, by the way, which will destroy a church. And I'm not, we're not teaching that a pastor shouldn't be accountable. Of course, ministers should be accountable, but not to lay people, to other ministers that are above them, that are helping them, shepherding them, leading them. And so this is one of the things I see where pastors uh, have allowed the people in their church to become far too free with them. Let me tell you something. You should never just call your pastor by his first name. Use some respect. You know, walk up and say, hey, Brian, his, this is Pastor Brian. You know, come up and say, hey, Brian, to your pastor. And we can tell immediately that they don't know the word that well. Right. Well, exactly. You know, people, <laughs> you know need, to le- <laughs> people need to learn some respect. You know, think, thinking they come in and just say whatever they want. You don't come in and say whatever you want. See, if you don't have authority, so it's part of the structure. If you don't have authority and anointing set up in your church, people that are flesh-driven, will rise up and do whatever they want. I advised a pastor that I knew, preached for him. He said, you need, uh, what do I need to do? I already knew he was having problems with his board. I said, you don't need lay people telling you what to do on your board. Fill your board with other preachers that can actually advise you on how to run a ministry. Oh, I don't think so, bro. His few months later, his board kicked him out of his own church. He's got no church now. So he goes down, starts another church calls me up. I'm starting another church. Love to have you come do a revival. What should I do as I start the church? I said, let me tell you what to do. Don't put more lay people on your board. Start this new church and have ministers that will guide you. Puts lay people all on the board. They kick him out of his second church. It's like, bro, hello, McFly, anybody in the brain, learn the lesson. You're not called. Listen, The people are not called to lead the pastor. (laughs) The pastor is called to lead the people. You know, the Bible does not say in Ephesians 4, which you just referenced. (laughs) You just referenced this. The Bible does not say in Ephesians 4 that God put the church in the body for the perfecting of the pastor. Doesn't say that. It says God put the fivefold ministry into the body for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. There is an order and a hierarchy in the body of Christ. I know this generation doesn't like it because they don't like authority. They're a bunch of rebellious people that literally what you're seeing in the streets right now, all these riots, all these protests, all all that is, is we had 20 some years of seeker sensitive church that would not have any authority or preach the word of God, that would not preach against sin. And you got a nation that's feeling the effects of it right now because we sowed seeds where there was no authority. Now we're having a harvest of rebellion. It's exactly what's going on. And so what I want you to see is God has a hierarchy. God has an authority. God has a system. He has a way. You know, I don't care if the feminist movement likes it or doesn't like it. The husband is the head, not of the home. The Bible says the husband is 
the head of the wife. Not the head of the home. Bible says husband's the head of the wife. There's a hierarchy in the house. People don't like that. You know, sometimes, you know, pastors Arthur, can be problems. Yeah, well, they he's, can he's be. A, he's a pastor. Uh, that was, he actually pastored a very large church. And Arthur said the past, sometimes the problem is the pastor. That's true. But that's because if, if that's happening and continues to happen, it's because either the pastor has no accountability or the pastor will not listen to his, those that he's accountable to, in which case he should be removed. The structure is not right. If he's doing something that's wrong, obviously. A, a good structure will build a good church. Yeah. A great structure will build a great church. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so there's, I've, I've made sure that we have great structures and practices in the church yeah. for growth. Absolutely. If you're going to grow, one of the biggest mistakes pastors make, number one, is staffing. They get the wrong people. Right. It's very easy to get the wrong person on the team. It's very tough to get them off the team. Get them off the team. Without causing any damage. Yeah, that's true. You've got to so be led by the Spirit on your you staff. You should be led by the Spirit to pick the people that need to. And sometimes you got to, it's, it's all with, you know what I mean? Just, you might be. In this spot right here, but this might not be where you're staying. Yep. So we have an 80-20 rule here. So 80%, this is your job description, what we need you to do. But there's room for 20% to do what we need you to do. Sure. This is what you're going to do, but you might do something that we need you to do. And Absolutely. you should be happy to do it as no under the Lord. So, so, so staffing, yep. right? Structure. The, the structure. The systems. And then the systems. We got, we're running out of time. We're going to give you these last two. These are important because here's where some churches, you can have all the staffing in the world. You can have all the structure in the world you and all the systems in the world and still be a dead church. There's a lot of great, uh, big churches that are not alive, Holy Ghost filled, God's moving in the church. You can see them. Not everything's big because it's good. Sometimes things are big because they're not good. Like a sprained ankle. It gets big. It swells. Not because it's good, because there's a problem. And sometimes, you know, how hard, it's not hard to go to a church that never preaches against sin. It's not hard to go to a hyper grace church where they can tell you you can live however you want and still go to heaven. That's a problem. When you can be a sinner that sits in the pew for seven years, never feel the conviction to change your life. That's a problem. It's easy to go to a big church like that. But what we're talking about is the growth like they saw in the early church, first century church, New Testament church. Where there's nothing, no punches being pulled, no doctrine being sacrificed. And so number four, it's not just staffing, structure, systems, but you better have the scripture. Proper doctrine in your church. Bishop Oyedepo said, if you want people to come into your church, you better keep the pastures green. If you want sheep eating, you better keep the pastures green. And there's a lot of churches that hey, they got brown, burnt grass, nothing for people to eat. There's not, they're not being fed. And you've got it. Brother Shambach said this. He said, uh, God's anointing can raise you to a national platform, but it's your doctrine that'll keep you there. Brother Shambach said that. Yeah. Your anointing can raise you up to a national platform, but your doctrine will keep you there. Because God, now think of this. God does not want his children to be malnourished. He don't want to feed them poison. Right. So if he's got somebody that's preaching improper doctrine to the people, that's something that'll destroy you quickly. You look at these guys, Bishop, uh, what's his name there that ended up, had that big ministry, Archbishop, uh, he's the one that influenced Carlton Pearson to get off on universalism. Archbishop uh, Veron Ash died, shriveled away. He started getting into that, 
So even the devil will go to heaven at the end and all that crap. You know, everybody will be saved. Nobody can resist the love of God. It's everyone's going to heaven. Even the devil will go to heaven at the end, be restored to his angelic position. Start preaching universalism, all that stuff. You know, you can, you can be a homosexual and go to heaven practicing homosexual, all this stuff. Allowed an unclean spirit to come in, shriveled with cancer, died on a park bench. You look at ministers, been taken out one by one. What happened? Where did, where did Carlton Pearson go? Had one of the most blowing, going churches in America. Would Azusa. not recant either. No. Where, where did he go? Completely removed from the scene. You don't hear from him anymore. Why? His doctrine's off, big time. Heretical doctrine. So there's a, there's a good question here that someone says, you know, um, the problem with pastors, sometimes they get filled with pride and not teachable. This is true. But you know who's going to judge the pastor? The Lord. Mm -hmm. You know who's going to correct the pastor? The Lord. Yep. And they're pastors. And if they can't do it, the Lord will do it. Not only will the Lord do it, but if you have proper leadership above you, they have the ability to remove you if you have a problem. Unlike some of these pastors, there's a pastor right now that's still in the pulpit who's impregnated nine women in his church that literally are having babies from their pastor. Most confusing Sunday of the year. Father's Day. Literally impregnating women in his church, but still preaching. He, after it all came out, you know what he preached in his pulpit? Uh, for distorting 2 Samuel, where, where David had the issue and Nathan came to him. He, he preached, I'm still the man. That's what he preached after all this stuff came out. I'm still the man. It's on YouTube to this day. I'm still the man. Let me tell you something. There's a problem when you can impregnate nine women in your church and no one can remove you from the pastorship. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. There's nobody in there, checks and balances. And you were just mentioning. It's like, I know all of our pastors, we have people that are above us helping us that could literally step in if need be and say, hey, you're, you're not in position right now to do that anymore. We're, we're stepping you down. Yeah. You know, we're stepping you down. And that, if that's not there, that's a problem. So yes, of course, it's true that some uh, pastors have issues of pride and some are making mistakes. But if the structure's not right, you've got no leadership above you, then you're, you're, you're sunk because the problem is you're just a lone ranger, an independent spirit, and you know, the Lord's not going to anoint that. No, but part of our success is we do have those things in place. Mm -hmm. And when you are lined up right, it'll wind up right. You, part of your assignment is alignment. And you've got to be careful what you're aligning yourselves with. Right. So I'm making sure that I'm getting a healthy dose of, of, of a son. I'm a son in the Lord. Right. And I have a father in the Lord. Yep. And so I get my direction and I get I get a prof that's my prophetic voice. Of course. And so I have a pastor because I am a pastor. Yeah. And so, you know, a pastor should be pastored. No question. <laughs> you know what I'm you saying? Gotta have it. So let me. Let me and then it. I got to because we're going to be planting more churches, yeah. which is beyond the scope of my pastor. Now I have a bishop. Sure. And so he oversees what we do here. Matter of fact, he was just here. He made a large investment in our church. Mm -hmm. He says, I can't be a voice if I have no investment here. Right. And so we are attached. And, you know, he calls. He, he, sure. It is a great resource because he's further down the road than we exactly. are. Exactly. And so you can't help, have somebody help you at a thousand member, you know, with a thousand people if your pastor is only pastor at a church of 400. Exactly right. Until you get like you. Someone's got to be beyond you. Yeah. If you're going to imitate somebody, they have to be beyond you. Uh, in every area. Um, let me give you this finally, because I know- And we're, doctrine. We're, and doctrine, that's right. They, gotta be, they have to be able to correct you and reprove you and exhort you and encourage you all at the same time. 
So we're talking about scripture. The doctrine's got to be right. Staff, structure, systems, scripture, and finally, the spirit of God has to be in your church. If your church doesn't pray, if your church doesn't seek the face of God, if your church doesn't allow the spirit of God to even move, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. There's Holy Ghost, assemblies of God churches that don't want speaking in tongues in their Sunday morning services because it's just too freaky for the visitors. To, to reject one gift is to reject them all. That's right. It's don't forbid speaking in tongues. Right. Don't despise prophecies, the Bible says. You know why God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired those verses? Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't despise prophecies. Because he knew that there were Christians that would try to forbid speaking in tongues and those that would try to despise prophecies. So he put it in the word of God. You've got to, this is God's house, not your house. You've got to let God move in his own house. Be open to the move of the Holy Ghost. You know what? That's why I don't even make plans anymore. I used to make plans. I don't make plans anymore. Many are plans that a man makes in his heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevail. I just say, Holy Spirit, I prepare myself, but I don't prepare plans for God's service. Yeah, you minister to him and then he uses you to minister to the house. That's right. I said, just Lord, just do whatever you want. You know, do I don't want to come in here with 17 points. And, say, well, I'm t-. and I'm, not, I'm not speaking as people that use points or notes. What I'm saying is like, I don't make plans on behalf of God and say, Lord, this is what you're going to be doing in the service tomorrow. It's his service. Let him do what he wants to do. You know, I, I like what uh, I heard Dr. Rodney Howard Brown say one time. He made me laugh. He said, quit announcing every night what the next night's going to be. You're not the Holy Ghost. And unless the Holy Spirit specifically speaks to you, he said, sometimes people do it just to try to grow the crowd. He said, don't, unless the Holy Ghost specifically tells you what's going to be going on, quit announcing every night what tomorrow night's going to be. You know, just literally let the Holy Ghost move. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him do what he wants. To. It's his service. And there's so many churches that have kicked the Lord out of, their own, out of his own church, out of his own house. So here's the problem, right? And the reason we have this one here, because we were talking uh, earlier, you, you, you could have great staff. Yep. You could have amazing structures. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got everything lined up where you know everything that's going on at every moment of every day of every hour. You could have great systems. Your assimilation system is the best. You're capturing all your first time guests. You're moving them from the street to the seat. And you know what I mean? You're moving them from the uh, parking lot to the pulpit. You know, that's great. Okay. You could have all of those things in place. You could have uh, an amazing, you know, setup and your systems but if you don't have the spirit, you know, what's the point? Exactly. You know what I mean? You're nothing more than a rotary club. But here's the problem. You've got these churches because of their systems, because systems, you know, create behavior. They're like turnstiles. They get you to go through and they're real good at getting people in to satisfy them. But here's the problem. If you're sitting in a service and it's a service that's just geared for to get you in and to get you out, mm-hmm. to, 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 just, to, just to fill your head, but never your heart, is to touch your, your mind, but not your spirit. You know what I mean? Yep. What's the point? What's the point? You know what I'm saying? They build these massive churches yep. and the spirit of God isn't even near there. Yeah. It's a total waste of time. You know, total waste of time. I'm going to be honest with you because here's the thing. And and this needs to be said. God did not call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. A disciple is different than a convert in this way. A disciple is someone who emulates the disciplines of his master. There's There's a set of movies on Netflix called Ip Man. I don't know if you've seen those. It's the guy from China 
He was a master at Kung Fu, but he was ended up being the guy that trained Bruce Lee before he came to the U.S. He trained Bruce Lee in Kung Fu, but notice Bruce Lee become, became so amazing at everything that he did because he, he was emulating the disciplines of Master Ip. Master Ip could not be defeated. Everybody came through his town in China, tried to defeat him. They couldn't defeat him. Multiple guys would fight him at once, couldn't defeat him. They tried. Do you know when the Japanese came in and took over China at that time? They literally captured him, Master Ip, put him in a room and tried to have all these Japanese martial artists destroy him. And he literally defeated every last one of them. And like, they couldn't beat him. Well, why did Bruce Lee become so great? He was trained by his master. What was he doing? Emulating the disciplines of his master. And that's why the Bible says that the servant or the disciple is never above the master. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Jesus, the works that I do, you shall do also in greater works than these because I'm going to be the father. We read that and think it's always about the miracle signs and wonders. How about do the works of his prayer? Do the works of his fasting? Do the works of his study? Seek the face of God. And so we're not called to make converts, but disciples. If you don't have the spirit of God moving in your church, if all you want to do is anything that won't offend people, no disciplines can be set in place. Well, we don't speak in tongues here. Well, then you're not emulating the disciplines of your, uh, of your master because he's the one that sent the I, Holy I, Ghost I, to the I church. I like the question, why? Why not? Right. Well, we don't, we, you know, we don't, we don't, not everybody believes in that. So also you're going to eliminate that from the service? Right. What if God wants to speak to his people through a tongue? Well, we don't, we don't preach against sin here. No, we well, then it's not going to be a sign to an unbeliever then. Well, that's exactly right. And what you're doing is you're contradicting the desire of God for his body, which he set in place. You read the whole book of Acts. Every time people were saved, they instantly got them filled with the Holy Ghost. It was number one priority. Number filled one. Holy Ghost. Acts 2. They were already believers, but the Holy Ghost hadn't fallen yet. They got filled. Acts 8. As soon as the people in Samaria got saved, Peter and John came for one purpose, lay hands on them, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, Peter and Cornelius' house. As he's preaching, they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 19, Paul goes to Turkey, which is Ephesus, and he preaches to 12 men. They got saved, and immediately he lays hands on them, gets them filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the pattern of the New Testament church. And as anybody that contradicts that is contradicting God's pattern for New Testament church. So we don't, we're not comfortable with that. Get comfortable with it. Yeah, right. What about, what about Psalm 127? Unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain. They labor in vain. That's I, why I said it's a waste of time. <laughs> why would I go to a church like that? So it the Lord actually builds the house. Right. He actually builds the house. He's told me everything to do with every person Come that's on. in here. The minute I learn that is the minute we've seen supernatural growth. Come on. And you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be a church that doesn't have his presence. That's right. You know, <laughs> what's the point of that? What's the point of that? No one will be healed. No one will be delivered. You got people coming up to the altar last night. God delivered me. I was addicted to drugs. The Lord delivered me, completely brought me off. You got people coming to talk to me. I, I used to battle this. I was in severe depression. Now I'm delivered. I was healed. God healed me in this church. If the Holy Ghost ain't here, none of that's happening. None of that's happening. You got people going in and out, clocking in, clocking out, hearing a nice little encouraging message, going home, life's the same as it always was. They don't feel anything? No. They, if you're sitting in a church Sunday after Sunday doing things that are unscriptural, sinful, immoral, and never feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost, that's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. Totally. You know? Totally. And I agree with you. Unless the Lord builds the house, what's the point? 
You know, again, what's the point? I want to have what he has planned. It's his church. I'm just a part of his church. Yeah, but somewhere along the lines, and this is why it's important that you get with men of God, yep. and they have signs of God, yep. the wonders of God, and the miraculous things of God mm -hmm. as part of the ministry. Why signs, wonders, and miracles follow the preaching of the gospel because there's other things that are being preached right. that aren't the gospel. It's true. Well, one of the things I love that you said, and we're talking about, before we pray for you, five reasons that churches remain small, five mistakes. See, if the Spirit of God's not moving, people think that they have to do all these other things to draw men. There's churches that are Pentecostal on paper, but they're not practicing Pentecostal things in their church's disciplines. Yeah, we this got those in the revelations. <laughs> yeah, and it happened, it's happened through Canada. It's happened to the United States. Just because it's on the what we believe section of your website doesn't mean you're actually doing it. <laughs> and, so, and, and the thing is, it, that's why they're disciplines. About it, man. They've got to be happening in your church. Do you think the early, did the early church, did Jesus have any issue at all drawing a crowd? He had no issue drawing a crowd. You think you preach more harshly than Jesus did? You, well, you know what? I hear, I hear this all the time. Well, the reason we don't have a lot of people in our church is because we preach the truth. No. Je what do you think? Jesus didn't preach the truth? He was the truth. He didn't ever have an issue get, getting a crowd to come together. The reason people don't have a crowd coming is because they're not doing the things that we're showing you today. They've got no structure. They've got no systems. They've got no, the, the pasture's not green. Grass is brown. People aren't being fed. Lazy preparation of the, of the minister for himself, or he's doing too much. You see, the problem is we talked about having proper staffing systems and structure. It's the book of Acts. The church grew at such a rapid pace that the apostles said, should we be the ones that are doing food distribution, taking care of widows and orphans? That's not our place. We got to give ourselves to prayer and the study of the word. Why? Because if you don't, pastures go brown. Nobody's eating because the ones that are supposed to be feeding you are spending time doing hospital visitations and cleaning the church bus. It's not for the men of God to do. I've got to be ready to feed your spirit. Pastor's got to be ready to make this grass green and feed the sheep. Let me, let me, let me show you something. Jesus said this, talked to Peter, asked him three times, do you love me? I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? I do love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love it? I love it. Feed my lambs. Means there wasn't happening. So what was Jesus? The, the proof that his men, his workers, love him? They feed his people. I got the finish. No, just, you finish that thought, I'm just man. telling you, man, because that's the, thing, the thing that God wants. This is going to close it if, right if, Listen, if I couldn't be in my own house, right? I love my children more than I love me. I love my babies more than I love me. If I had to leave them with somebody, listen, if you don't take care of my kids, you don't love me because I love them more than I love me. So if I'm gone and I'm doing, if I got to do other things, you better take care of my children, feed my kids, mm. clothe my kids, care for my kids, protect my kids. You see? And this is Jesus who's the head of the body saying to his men of God, do you love me? If you do feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Listen to that. As, why did he change the word? Because some of them are mature, but some of them are still babies. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. The babies need to eat. They, the babies eat different than the adults do, which means you've got to cater the meal differently. 
I, I feel for pastors because I know you come in here. No, that's my greatest challenge is you, to you make sure that steak, I got something for every. You got to know your steak audience. Steak over as here a, as a communicator. Peanut butter and jelly over here. Yeah, your squirt right. milk over here. That's right. But th- it's the Holy Spirit that 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 helps you do all that. But you're doing what He'll Jesus use you when you. But see, we need to be yielded. Yep. We can't be boxed in. That's right. That's, my, that's the greatest challenge as a pastor is to have your structures in place, to be disciplined in place. Yep. But you have to be filled with God's Spirit. That's right. In order to feed His sheep. You better believe it. And to and to feed His lambs. He's the only one that could minister to every person in different places all at the same time. You better believe it. And so. How you know, can you even do that, though, if you're running around doing every little thing that has to be done? You're vacuuming the lobby. You're cleaning the church bus. You're cleaning the toilets in the bathroom. You're making sure you do every hospital visitation. You, do every, you can't do all that and still be ready to feed the sheep. No. And I don't feel like any pastor should be embarrassed that they can't do all of that. The, the apostles that were handpicked by Jesus couldn't even do it all. The book of Acts. So don't feel bad. Like, well, I can't get everything done. Get some people around you that'll help you so you can focus on what's important to Jesus, feeding his sheep. If the pastures are green, sheep will come eat. He said, if you love me, That's right. you will feed. Now, I want to just, this is just to wrap it up here. Look at Revelation chapter two. This is to the church at Ephesus. And it goes, and he said, and the angel of the Lord said this. It says, I know all the things you do. We do a lot of things in the church, mm-hmm. Right. It says, I have seen your hard work. We work hard and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered that they are liars and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. And do the works you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is your but this is in your favor. You hate what is evil. You hate what is evil and the deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears, let him hear Mm -hmm. what he must hear, must listen to the spirit, must listen to the spirit, must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. How can you minister to his house if you're not ministering to him? That's right. And he is not with you. That's exactly right. And if you don't get his word to his people, you're missing it. That's exactly right. It's not about the message. It's about the Messiah. That's right. It's not about you know, doing your own thing. And here's where many pastors, they get their structures, they get their systems, they get their staff, and they start listening to those voices more than they listen to his voice. And this is where they miss it. And when the Spirit of God leaves the house, the house is in trouble. Big trouble. And it has the great responsibility to get right with the Lord I had to go back. I had to apologize to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. We got so focused on assimilation and trying to do and drive this thing that, you know, you started neglecting. You have to manage every area of those, those, those five things always need to be managed. Yep. You have to make sure that you got the right staff for the structure. I mean, the right staff for the season. Yeah, I mean, you got to staff it differently. Every, every year we, we, we make changes. Mm-hmm. We have to make changes to accommodate what the Spirit says. 
And so God's led me every, with every, those, every one of those departments, the Spirit of the Lord has spoke to me. Amen. And if I didn't listen to him, I wouldn't even be here today. I agree, yeah. The amount of tax. It. Because if, if you're going to do something great for God, you've got some great battles ahead of you. But the Lord will fight for you Absolutely. and will deliver you and will give you well, the victory. Well, there's people watching right now. Would you pray? I mean, there's pastors watching. There's people listening on the podcast. They need encouragement. They need the help of God. They want to see growth. Pray for those that are watching, those that are believing God for increase in this final part of the year. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now for every pastor, every lay person that's in ministry. God, I pray for every spirit-filled believer, God, that you would strengthen them now by your Holy Ghost. Lord, let them be attuned to your word, your leading. Those who love you must obey you, God. And we know that we are called to walk in the spirit, to keep in step with what the spirit is doing. Lord, let us never be led by our emotions. May we never be led by our systems. May we never be forced by our structures to do something different than you're calling us to do. Lord, I pray for those that are in leadership. God, I pray that you would give them great wisdom and insight to help build the kingdom of God. We know that, Lord, the church should always be growing and going, God, never standing and, Lord, never, never deteriorating, God. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit comes back to your, your house, God. I pray that pastors from all over that are watching this broadcast, let them fall in love with you and others once again, God. I know they've been hurt. I know they've been attacked, God. But, Lord, let them have a love for your people that you have called them to lead, God. Let them love it. Let them love you. And we know that when you love people, people will feel the love of God. We know that, and that, Lord, unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Lord, I pray that they let you build your house. And, Lord, I know that we have never been the same the minute you took the wheel here at Crossroads Community Church. I'm thankful for this team. I'm thankful for our structures. I'm thankful for all the stuff that you've given us, all the blessings. But, Lord, I'm thankful that you are with me and that you guide me. In all righteousness and truth, I pray that for every pastor, that, Lord, you lead them by your mighty hand. Lead them into victory and through every battle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for hanging with us today. Listen, take a minute at the end of this broadcast. If you've never stepped out in faith to partner with this ministry, I want to, I want to challenge you to do it today. Carol and I are believing God for a thousand people, phase one, that will stand with us at $85 a month or more. And uh, many are already doing that. Many are already doing much more than that. $100 a month, $300 a month. Do what God tells you. All you have to do, go to miracleword.com. You can click on the give page. Any way that you can possibly give is there. Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. You can mail a check. You can give right through Facebook, Twitter, Periscope using hashtag donate. But I want to encourage you. This is an important time. Listen, there's never been a more vital time than this. We're coming to the end of this year. Jesus is coming soon. And it's time for us to increase. It's time for us to push out and see people saved and changed before it's too late. Thank you very much, Britt, for sowing a seed today. I love you. And uh, those of you that are sowing online, listen, what we're going to do. This month, one of my favorite books I've ever read by Dr. Lester Summerall, Adventuring with Christ, his stories of how he met Howard Carter and Smith Wigglesworth, went around the world and did ministry. It's like reading a novel. It's amazing what God used him to do. That is the gift that we want to send you for the month of October for those that are partnering at $85 or more. And if you have sown and you'd like to receive that, go to miracleword.com 
forward slash offer. Fill out the form and we're going to send you that uh, to be a blessing to you. We appreciate you. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for sowing seeds. And if you didn't sign up to get this month's or this quarter's new magazine that's shipping this week, might be shipping today or tomorrow, um, sign up. Sign up right now. If you go to miracleword.com, you can see the magazine, click it. If you've never signed up, please do it. It's free. We want to send it to you. And we have the biggest testimony we've ever given in any magazine with pictures included. We want you to see it. We want your faith to be built. God's doing massive things, man. It's a year of violent increase and expedited favor. We're going to be live again tonight. My father's going to be preaching the gospel 7 o'clock p.m. We're right here in Fitchburg, Mass. at Crossroads Community Church. 839 Ashby State Road. Is that right? Yeah. Man, I pulled that right out of my spirit. And uh, it's going to be great. We're having revival all week through Friday night. If you can get here, get here. It's the perfect time to jump in the car, jump on a plane. we got Pastor Jordan working in the house all the way from Billings, Montana. Whoop, in the house with us. Get here, man. It's going to be a great week of revival. We'll see you again tonight at 7. We'll be back live tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.